Hi everyone, this is Shuzo Mike Trevisano, and I will be talking about the path of right effort. We've been walking our way through each of the Eightfold Noble Path, and tonight we're at number seven, the right effort. This is a good one for me to do in particular, because I remember some, however many years ago it was, first reading about the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Noble Path, and I remember uh, coming upon right effort and thinking, effort? What do you mean effort? Effort? Like life is already effort. Like suffering is already effort. This is effort too. I gotta do stuff. So hopefully I can dispel some of that. I, I, this idea that effort is elbow grease or uh, blood, sweat, and tears on the path, and that's not the case. So it's a good one for me, for myself, to, to walk through. Uh, just to put it in some context, uh, I, I don't, want, don't want to spend a lot of time on the Four Noble Truths. We've talked about them uh, a good bit. But just to put it in context, quick review. So the first Noble Truth, the, the Noble Truth of suffering, of Dukkha. This idea of, you know, uh, welcome to humanity. Here's your suffering. Good luck. That we all, as, as humans, experience this suffering. Of course, in our tradition, we, we divide this between pain and suffering. Pain is something, as a human, we also experience. If we lose someone close to us, we feel grief, right? It makes sense. It's pain. If we hurt ourselves physically, it's pain. Suffering is a different flavor. Suffering is this human thing we do where something happens, we develop an attraction or an aversion to it, we tell ourselves a story about it, we suffer. We have anxiety or guilt or regret, these kinds of things. Uh, we all do it. Every single human on, on the planet for all time has done it. It's part of our biology. So, noble truth number one. Noble truth number two is the cause of this. So why do we do this? Why do we tell ourselves these stories? Why do we have anxiety and depression and guilt and this stuff? Well, uh, very, very simply put, the Shakyamuni Buddha says we do it because we thirst, that we, we crave things and experiences that we think are going to fix us so that we don't have this suffering. We have this image of perfection that says, if I just, if I just had this stuff, or people called me this title, or I drove a Ferrari, or I had this person in my life, whatever this thing is that we're if I didn't have this in my life, if I didn't have this president, whatever it is, right, that I would finally feel this way. We always feel we're down here, that this image of perfection is here, we're down here. And the gap, that's our suffering, right? If I just had that stuff. Of course, the, the problem is that this image of perfection changes it, it's not static. The moment we get something, another something fills, this, fills the gap. So that's what causes it. The third noble truth is the noble truth of how to stop it. And very simply put, Shakyamuni Buddha said, stop doing that. Get rid of the craving. Get rid of the craving. Get rid of the suffering. But that's a little, that's kind of tough advice. I, I, when I was a kid, I would go up to my dad and I would say, Dad, my, my arm, my arm really hurts when I do this. And he would say to me, well, Michael, stop doing that. 
And of course, he said some other stuff too. It was always very helpful. But that was the idea, right? Like, that's the joke. People stop doing that. Same thing here. The third noble truth, we'll just stop doing that, isn't as helpful as it, as it, as it could be on its own, right? So the, the fourth noble truth, the Eightfold Path, is, is helpful, right? Do these eight things. Put effort to these eight things as best as you can, right? If you follow this path, then it's not, it's not so much about stopping something or getting rid of something. It's about doing something, proactively living a certain way, uh, understand life better, have the right view of it, you know, which will, these things are interdependent, which will impact how you act and how you speak, the kind of job that you have, right? It will, it will impact that you are mindful of things, right? Or that you meditate, right? Concentration. It, all of these things work together. I can do that. I can do that. And the right effort is, falls right in line. Put the right effort into these other seven things. And suffering will, I almost say magically, dissipate. But it's not magic. You're, you're, you're living a different life. You're proactively, consciously, mindfully living a different life. One that doesn't chase after this moving target. One that follows a whole other, whole other way of being. So, the right effort then. Let's take it from the top. What did Shakyamuni Buddha say the right effort is? In the Pali Canon, in his discourse on the analysis of the truths, he says this. What is right effort? Herein, one puts forth will strives, stirs up energy, strengthens the mind, exerts themselves to prevent the arising of evil, of unwholesome thoughts or mental states that have not yet arisen. Puts forth will, as before, to banish the evil, unwholesome thoughts that have already arisen. Puts forth will to develop wholesome thoughts that have not yet arisen. Puts forth will to preserve increase, to bring them to maturity, to development, and to complete the wholesome thoughts that have arisen. This is called right effort. So he breaks it into four categories. Now, before I go on, I just want to zero in on one term that I think is helpful for us to understand, which is this idea of unwholesome thoughts. Because the word unwholesome, that kind of sounds like bad. We usually don't do that. In, in the Buddhist tradition. We don't divide into good or bad. Things are what they are, right? Making that distinction is not always so helpful. So what do we mean when we say unwholesome thoughts? Well, in the Dharma, when we usually talk about unwholesome thoughts, that's usually described as the five hindrances, which is a wonderful word, because it, hindrance is not good or bad. Hindrance is eh, not so effective. Right? It's not good or bad, it just may make it a little bit more difficult for you to reduce suffering for yourself, to feel compassionate to others, to help others, right? It's hindrance. It's not good or bad, it's a hindrance. And the five really quickly are uh, sensual desires, not just lust and sensual, but any, any of these things, like I want a Ferrari or a new guitar or whatever the, whatever the thing is. Hit a little close to home there, did you, Mike? Huh? Ferrari guitar. It's that kind of stuff. And, and lust. Uh, ill will. 
which is like hatred or wishing wishing ill on someone. Uh, dullness, this sort of laziness, dullness. Uh, sort of its flip of that, the fourth is restlessness, say, like uh, this feeling I should be doing something, but I don't know what to do, right? And the fifth one is uh, doubt, right? All five of these could be hindrances on our path. So that's what we're talking about when we say unwholesome thoughts. So the right effort is about avoiding these kinds of things because they hinder us on our path. So, so the, the Shakyamuni Buddha splits the right effort into four things. Now, if I may be so bold, that starts to sound like effort to me. And, and not, not necessarily judging what has been written by, by a whole bunch of folks on the, on the right effort, but if you do a search on right effort, as I did to, to prepare to talk about this, what you find is a, is a breakdown of the four. Okay, so he says we're gonna, we're gonna prevent them, prevent bad ones and, and banish them when they come and we're going to uh, develop good ones and keep them around, right? And in each one of these four, there's stuff we can do. So, okay, so to prevent them, do these ten things and these kinds of meditations and these kinds of thoughts and these kinds of practices. To banish them, do these kinds of things. Well, all of a sudden, now I'm, I'm remembering countless stuff and I'm learning a million techniques and that sounds like effort and I don't want to do that. I, it, and I make a joke about it, but frankly, when things start to sound like a lot of effort to me, I don't do them. And now I'm stuck. Now I'm kind of in this, now I'm off the path. I'm not helping myself or others. I'm, I'm like struggling against it. It's like I'm, I'm trying to stop ocean waves with my hands. You know, like, please stop. I don't want to do that. So how can I simplify this? Because I think we can. And I think uh, our tradition uh, specifically, the four directions system of mindfulness does it for me. I don't have to really, I don't have to come up with anything new here. So the first thing I can do is I can say, wait a second, we are kind of dividing by saying this, this prevent and banish and then develop and keep around. Prevent and banish suffering, develop and keep around not suffering, right? Well, that's two. So I can take it down to two. So I can take the right effort to not suffer and the right effort to, to, to be okay, right? If I think about that, it reminds me of a, of a, of a famous uh, parable that I don't know what tradition it comes from. I, I'm sure many, many of you have, have heard it before. It's often, you see it on Facebook posts, it comes around every so often, and it's attributed to Native American uh, parable or a myth, or it's, uh, I've seen it attributed as a Zen, as a Zen myth. I don't, I don't, uh, by virtue of it not being clearly identifiable as where it comes from, it, to me, it says something good. It means that there's something about this parable that makes sense across cultures, across traditions, and does the job of a myth, right? It explains why we do something, right? It gives purpose for why something is and why we do it. And it's the myth of the two wolves, the parable of the two wolves. Very quickly, the myth always goes like this. There's, a, there's an old 
man, like a Gandalf kind of old man I picture in my head, and he's sitting around a fire with his grandson. And he's in deep contemplation, he's thinking. His grandson says to him, you know, Grandpa, what are, you, what are you thinking about? What's going on? And the old man says to him, I'm reflecting on the two wolves I have inside of me that are always fighting. The one wolf wants, wants goodness in the world, is grateful for what is, wants to be helpful, is hopeful, is encouraged, is courageous. But the other wolf is selfish and greedy and and he wants just for himself, and even at the even even at putting others down, right? And I'm, they're always fighting. They're always fighting within me. And the grandson says, "Grandpa, which one wins?" And the grandfather says, "The one that I feed." And I think that myth gives us a, a really good path forward for this side of suffering, effort to get rid of suffering, and this effort to promote suffering. The one that I feed is the one that wins out. So all of a sudden, now instead of four things, broken down to two, now I have to feed my good wolf. I do one thing, I feed my good wolf. In the four direction system of mindfulness, we feed our good wolf. We feed our good wolf by orienting ourselves away from this world of doing and having, from this ego self world of doing and having, to our true self, this world of being. Now, if you've studied the four directions with us, and uh, we invite you to do so, of course, if you haven't, uh, you'll know that there's this stuff that comes with that, right? There are practices uh, that have to do with orienting ourselves to our true self, or to operate from the perspective of our, of our true self, from our Buddha nature, our ground of being. But that's different. That's different than a list of ten things under each four categories. In, in thinking about what do we do in the four directions, uh, they're, they're practices that have to do with daily living and practice specifically, I'm thinking about the four questions, that have to do with, okay, when something arises and I'm hooked and I'm feeling, I'm, I notice that I'm feeling anxious, depressed, or whatever that is, I have a practice to banish that. And in doing so, in banishing that, that feeling, I'm reorienting to my true self, which brings about this state of equanimity, of compassion, of gratitude, right? So it happens in one. When I'm handling situations that, are, that hook me, in our tradition, the four questions, it does both. It gets rid of the unwholesome thought, and it brings forward something that is helpful, that help, that I find to legit, legit help me to get out of feeling that way and see the world in a different perspective, from a, not from a world of perfection, but one of wholeness. I can do that. I can do that. If the right effort means practicing the four questions in the four directions, I can do that. Now, there's also this component of what can I do every day to sort of keep them away and also to keep them here when they're here. And this I, I can rely on my daily activity that also is well outlined in our four-direction system. 
And this has to do with mindful living. Uh, f from the get-go, there's this idea of daily devotion, you know, of coming to our butsudan, our, our altar, which I do daily. I, I do it intentionally twice a day. Uh, it's in my office where I work, where my day job is, so I do it a lot more than just twice. I'm kind of frequently turning to it, giving it a bow and asking for some help. But intentionally, it's a space that we can create that symbolically brings everything into focus that we want to be in our lives, right? The light of enlightenment, the, the scent of the incense, the candle, uh, the sound of a bell. And when I go to it, I consciously take refuge in my true self for my sake and for the sake of all beings. And I do it every morning. Every morning, I, I restate the precepts that, that we all take, that I will allow my true self to manifest in all aspects of life, no matter what I encounter today, no matter what email I come that comes to me, I'm going to consciously do my best to allow my true self to manifest. I take complete responsibility for, for my own life and for all of my actions, that this is mine. I own it. I'm not going to give it over to somebody else. Uh, I'm not going to release that kind of power. I have it in the power to, to be exactly who I want to be. That I'm going to affirm that I have an ego self, that I have this personal being, and that it is the path to reorienting to my true self is Mike, is this dude that like digs Ferraris and guitars and could eat pizza every single night if he wanted to, if, if, if he could. You know, that that is this guy. This guy does this. That I have aversions. That I do get hooked. Shuzo Mike gets hooked, has a temper, has these things that I'm working on, right? Just like all humans do, right? And that I embrace, I, am, I embrace this shadow side of myself, that that's there. I have thoughts that I would never admit to anyone, even to myself sometimes, but instead I'm gonna see them as part of my precept, the fourth precept. I, I embrace the aspect that that's part of me and that I realize that is also a path to awakening and freedom. And of course the last one, I, I will affirm an attitude of openness to my true self, even when I'm suffering. This is a key, this is a key one, because in, in our system of mindfulness, it's being open to our true self that is the, the salvation, is seeing, ah, I'm hooked, something happened, something's got me, but I'm gonna be open to seeing this differently, to reorienting myself to the kind of person that I know I can be. So, the daily, the, the daily devotion in the morning does that for me. And at night, I, the last thing I do uh, before I go to sleep is come back to the altar. And I review my day. I bow. I, I say some words of thanks. I chant the Nimbutsu. And I take refuge in what I call small things. I take refuge in small things. Like how my little tiny dog smelled how her little head smelled when I was watching TV in Petner. Or uh, there's a couple of baby eagles outside that are somewhere away, but they are loud as all get out. 
You may even be able to hear them now. I take refuge in that that exists. While I'm getting that annoying email, that's happening too. I take refuge in that. Wow, what a, what a world. What a universe I get to live in. I take refuge in, in the joy I get to experience through my son, who is the coolest, or the super cool wife I have. I take refuge in that these things are real for me. And I remind myself of that. No matter what happened that day, I remind myself of that. So the daily devotional practices in the morning and night are bookends to a day that no matter what happens, I'm orienting myself to who I most want to be in this world. Other things I may recommend sort of as winding down this talk is I try to eat as well as I can. I try to read good stuff. I try to... I meditate daily, not because I'm forced to, but because it helps me, right? I find value in these things. I, I try to get outside, right? I, I do the things for myself that help me feel as best as I can. And like anything, so what are those things? You know, what should you do as part of your daily practice? It's, it's, the, uh, it's like a lesson I, I seem to think of a lot. You know, what's the best one? The one you'll do. What's the thing that will orient you to, to the thing that will help you feel the best about you and, and who you are and who you want to be in this world? Do that one. Whatever that is, do that one. And I can't say this uh, strongly enough. Give Give yourself permission, as I give myself permission, as Sensei Tony Stoltz gives himself permission, to ask for help when you need it. Give yourself permission to do that. To ask, to reach out, I, to say the words, I, I feel like shit and I don't know what to do, and I'm going to ask somebody for help. Whether that is psychotherapeutic help, or, or whether it's call, calling us. That's what we're here to do. That's what we've taken vows to do, is to help. So please, if you ever, if you'd like to learn more about the Four Directions system, might you like to study with us, if you'd like to take the precepts and, and hang out, contact us at AskSenseiTony.com, Facebook page or website. Uh, just reply with a comment to this video. We're here to help. Uh, but no matter where you find that help, Give yourself permission to do so. So, in conclusion, I think I did all right, right? I took the four that sounded like work, I boiled it down to two, and then I made it one. That feels good. I don't feel like I'm doing a lot of work. And yet the right effort is these small things that I can do that I do light as a feather. They don't feel like work. They feel like living. They just feel like, like living in a way I want to live. All the very best to all of you. Many blessings to you. I wish you well on your path. And thank you so much.